Hello and welcome to another episode of the Friday Tech Roundup Roundup, where we will be looking at the news from uh, week commencing December 6th. This is episode 97. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to record this week due to... Um, COVID. COVID. I went to swear there. It's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you're allowed to you're allowed to say it. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. It's rubbish. It is really rubbish. Like two years on, really thought that we'd we'd see some light at the end of the tunnel by now. But um, here we are. Um, but doesn't mean you guys don't get to hear the news. And we have dropped a blog onto the website. So if you want to read the news, you got two options this week. So it's not multimedia. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so first up this week, uh, since so much of technology is relying on services being constantly online to talk to other networks and applications, it's not a case of if, but when, and it's something we've mm-hmm. spoken about quite a lot. Uh, we are, of course, talking about outages, and even the most brilliant providers can't stress test every possible eventuality. Um, and for the likes of AWS, they are the most recent to make the headlines after experiencing an outage earlier this week. Uh, several of the sites first affected appear to have been able to reroute traffic to alternative servers, mm-hmm. um, which I think is just testimony to um, Amazon for making sure they have more than one server in various well, locations. Yeah, multi-region <laughs> is good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in five and a half hours from the first issue being logged, they managed to get most of those services restored. Um, for those which are seemingly unsteady still, Amazon is working tirelessly to achieve full recovery across all services. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, it, it sounds like a dramatic big hit. And I think there was a lot of uh, the news articles around this was like, yay for people like Google and Microsoft who are probably cheering on the sidelines. But well, everyone goes through this. And this is like people need to remember. Everyone does go through this. Yeah. Um, mm. But, you know, Amazon... Well, sorry, AWS is the most reliable cloud out there. It is the biggest cloud out there. Yep. Uh, this is undoubtedly a big hit for them. Um, you know, and it, you know, it undermines a lot of the arguments about them being the most reliable. You know, if they can get hit at a scale like this, I think it goes to the arguments we've made a lot around, um, you know, the need for some sort of regulation given the widespread. Um, impact this had, you know, on society and could have been a lot worse. That being said, in terms of resilience, you know, most of, most of us architecturally would say for a lot of stuff that multiple multiple availability zones in one region would be good enough to keep you up and running. Mm-hmm. It looks like that wasn't the case here and an entire region went out. You know, rescaling to another region um is very doable with aws particularly in the us they have many many regions so it's not the most difficult thing to do but um there would have been a lot of people's beepers going off that night yeah uh, not just in aws but in all the uh, companies relying on it and it would have been a bit of a gut punch as well because i can imagine looking after that kind of stuff going sorry aws is down yeah that that would have been a real quite a foundational thing so do you reckon it's because so many of them are reinvent yeah yeah i mean that, that, there is the question about how this is able to happen it will be quite the autopsy yeah. um but you know that being said it is what it is everyone has an outage and mm-hmm. when you're the biggest and most reliable there are going to be a lot of people going 
gosh, what an outage. Yeah. Um, but you just said, though, like, I think one thing that AWS are infamous for is they build for failure. They expect this kind mm. of thing, and they want people to make sure that... Redundant and resilience is there from the ground. Up. Absolutely. Yeah. So they will absolutely do an autopsy for this. And well, I, well, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I yeah. think that, you know, it comes down to, as we said earlier, it's not if, but when. And mm-hmm. I feel that um, how you can judge a company is not necessarily about and out that an outage has happened, but how long that outage was on for and what they do in that situation to resolve the issue. Yeah. And I think in Amazon's case, they've done everything that they can to make sure that their users are back online as soon as possible. Uh, again, they're trying to get them onto different um, or back into rerouting services so people mm-hmm. actually have some ability to use the services, even if not optimized. Yep. Um, again, some of them are saying that the internet connections were a bit shaky still. And, you know, Adele tickets, I feel there's always... You're not saving lives here, you know? You can just buy them tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, there were... So, uh, and that was actually a good example, right, where the business processes kicked in. So, that you know, in that case, the company just said, we're shifting everyone along today. Yeah. So you can start... You guys who would have been able to book today, you can book tomorrow. Absolutely. And so on. You know, it, back in the old banking days, if a branch lost its connectivity, and I think the processes still exist... Mm. Um, Branches can cash up manually yeah. at the end of the day. They know how to do this because IT systems do go down. You just don't want to. Um, you just don't want to believe that AWS can. I think fundamentally, though, the failure happened, and that has to be acknowledged in the mm-hmm. autopsy when they dig into it. Look, if AWS can go down, like you said, anyone can go down, and given the range of services, it probably is time for the big providers to look at, you know, possible regulation. It won't happen off the back of this, but if they were clever, they'd get ahead of it. Yeah. And I feel as well, like, um, I was talking to uh, Sunil Taylor on our AWS podcast, which is coming out the soon. The man who knows everything. The man who knows, especially cloud, like around cloud. He's like, oh, yeah. genius. Um, but he was saying, like, you know, he predicts for the future that we're going to be looking at multi-cloud. And I think one of those reasons is having... All your eggs in one basket. All our clients do want to climb. There we go. Um, just because you, you're giving yourself a backup plan there. And again, if you, AWS is the most reliable, mm-hmm. Google and Microsoft are only so far behind um, AWS. So. Oh, well, they've had their big outages. Oh, my You know, you, yeah. you, maps, yeah. Uh, mail going down, um, teams going down, yep. you know, particularly during the pandemic. You know, they, they've had their outages, but this was AWS and they were kind of like the most stable around. Yeah. The, I mean, the problem is multi-cloud isn't a silver bullet, um, primarily because the vast majority of these problems are still caused by the client on the cloud, not the cloud provider itself. Yeah. So you can have multi-cloud, but if you're multi-cloud provisioning, for example, like say you're using something like Terraform, uh, if you make a mistake in there, you're just going to replicate that mistake across all your clouds. The other thing is that uh, increasingly, and uh, providers like AWS are particularly tricky for this. Hmm. Um, there are native services they have that no one else does. Yeah. So, for example, if you wanted to use a service like Amazon Connect, you're not going to find a comparable service on Microsoft. And that no. isn't something unique to connect. Um, if you're using another cloud contact center solution like Odigo or Twilio, they're also specific cloud bound. Mm. So you've got to think about what that resiliency looks like. Personally, for me, I'd be okay just using AWS, but maybe after this multi-region. Yeah. Um, 
and yep, fine for your nuts and bolts basic service. The EC2 equivalent, the virtual server and all that, you can definitely go multi-cloud for many of our clients are. But there are always going to be specific services that are unique to individual clouds. Yeah. Um, a lot of customers, for example, putting aged SQL systems onto Azure because Microsoft will give them an extension on the security patching. Cool. Um, but you can't port that system easily to another cloud, right? So if Microsoft goes down, there's a lot of aged and probably fairly critical stuff sat against one cloud provider, um, which doesn't have as good a resiliency record as AWS, right? So fundamentally, they should probably get ahead of it, have some sort of discussion around regulation and standards, but the autopsy will be interesting. Mm, Um, But yeah, real foundational shaking moment for us all. Maybe that's why everyone's so discombobulated in the industry over the last couple of days. Possibly. <laughs> and I also, I think it is also worth noting, we missed a piece of news last week because we recorded just before um, it came out. But, you know, AWS is still doing incredibly well. And um, the news we missed was they had... Obviously... <laughs> that's the largest understatement ever. <laughs> yes, they are doing incredibly they are doing well. <laughs> um, obviously, they just, they just announced that Meta, for formerly Facebook, deepened mm. their relationship with AWS as a strategic cloud provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and they plan to broaden the use of AWS compute, storage, databases, and security services to provide privacy, reliability, and scale in the cloud. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it sounds like it's been a bad week for AWS, but actually... Oh, it's relative. Right? Yeah, big news at the beginning of the week, a little bit bad news yeah. in the middle. And they've obviously they've been surrounded by AWS reInvent as well, which I've heard was a huge success. So yeah. it's been a mixed, like, mixed bag for them this week. But, definitely, um, yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, definitely not something they wanted to be in the headlines for. But <laughs> uh, that meta move was interesting, though, because you, in, you know, um, in the modern economy, you've, you've kind of got the four horsemen. You've got like Meta, Facebook as was, Amazon, Google, and Apple. Mm. And see two of them getting to bed so closely is genuinely surprising. Okay. They try not to overlap their services as much. So, yeah, I was genuinely surprised to see that move. Um, Interesting. And I I think a mature move. Yeah. But um, still genuinely surprising. Wow, there we go. Mm. Um, number two, so continuous delivery software company, a long-standing partner for ECS, CloudBees, has become a unicorn. Um, sharing the news via their Hive, CloudBees announced it's faced a $150 million Series F financing round at a pre-money valuation of $1 million. The com- oh, my goodness, sorry, $1 billion, <laughs> which is why they're a unicorn. Otherwise, that whole first line becomes redundant. Um, Always. Always amazed at the words that true you up. <laughs> this is why I need you. This has yeah. to be a double act. I should be talking and about. And the are the ones that get you. Every time. <laughs> you do these huge, complex words, though. But anyway, carry on. It's kind of had to focus on those so hard. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah. Um, the company's also closed a ninety-five million dollar debt uh, facility to accelerate growth. Mm. Uh, so the new capital will be used by Glabies to advance and accelerate product innovation, recruit and develop talent, expand its footprint in markets like Asia Pacific, and broaden its global and regional partnerships. As part of the announcement, Stephen DeWitt has released a personalized message, uh, which we dropped a link to below. Mm. Uh, so that's directly from the CEO, you kind of see it's like saying how colleagues and users will be impacted. So personal message from him. Um, congratulations, Glabies. This, yeah, yeah. this is awesome. And well deserved. Well deserved. I think a lot of people look at you know, cloud base and go, yeah, but Jenkins is free. <laughs> and they don't really get 
the value that it brings. And I think, you know, a few weeks back, um, you covered that story brilliantly around the enterprise level deal that they did with HSBC. And I think that kind of signals the intent that CloudBees have in terms of market acquisition and the confidence they have in the, you know, tooling and capability they bring to the market. Mm. Um, I think that's kind of reflected in this Series F funding round. Um, you know, it's not hype. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're a great company that's... and great people. Great people as well. They are. Yeah. They really are. So, congratulations, CloudBees, if you're listening. Um, welcome to the Unicorn Club. Mm. Um, number three, cryptocurrency executives are to be questioned in Congress. So oh. the, <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, I have strong views on this, but carry on. <laughs> okay. Let's try and get through the actual At press release. Intro, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the anonymity of paying using cryptocurrencies means they have been favored for criminal activities such as drug dealing and ransomware attacks in the past. Mm-hmm. And yes, they are also used for legitimate payments as well, but this has to be... Name three. No, Elizabeth Warren on the Democratic Party has called for tougher regulation, and Donald Trump has also described cryptocurrencies as a scam. But supporters say the view that it's used predominantly for crime is outdated, and that innovation in this area offers huge potential. Innovation in this area does offer huge potential, mm-hmm. and it might do some really interesting stuff. Cryptocurrency, though, is not about the underlying technology. Lots of crypto bros will tell you that, but it's actually speculation more akin to tulip, maybe, or or the South Sea bubble. And a lot of people lose a lot of money on it, and it facilitates a lot of crime. Yes. So, I again, I'm with you. I don't don't know enough about it, and I'm sure that we might... (sighs) Might get heckled a little bit for our opinions here, but I, I feel in, like... in the tech community, criticizing crypto. No, no. everyone will be really <laughs> open minded about that stunt. But I feel yeah. like for me, I don't, I don't think cryptocurrency is the future. I think it's a necessary step for now to mm-hmm. progress the technology forward and to make those mistakes. Like something has to go first. Yeah. Um, but I feel that this won't be the future, and something else is going to come along that's stronger and again better regulated, perhaps. Yeah. Um, just again, using blockchain, blockchain technology. And I think that's where the innovation is going to lie. And that's what's going to be supporting the future um, of countries. But again, I was having this conversation um, in Edinburgh actually last week about it's not just enough as well to say that cryptocurrency is going to be the future of society, because what you're assuming here or what you're failing to recognize is that for cryptocurrency to be a thing, you're assuming that everyone's got access to technology, mm-hmm. because if you're not going to make sure that every person has a phone or a laptop or electricity to charge those two things, mm-hmm. you're creating a massive hurdle mm-hmm. for people to be able to access um, this cash. So if this is what your future holds in terms of how money will be used going forward, then you also have to look at the infrastructure of how it can be used by everyone. And I appreciate today not everyone has access to money in terms of what we know to be money. Um, but this does seem to be setting the bar ever so slightly higher I mean, I, I mean there's, a lot of, there's a lot of vested interest. There's a lot of individuals who've got a lot of money off the back of this, yeah. or at least paper gains. There's a lot of large companies who've got a lot invested in this. It is not some utopian dream. No. It's, you know, a lot of vested okay. interests. You know, it, from a technology point of view, I don't think any of the underlying technologies are up to snuff at the moment. They might one day, with lots of further research, that theoretically some of the cryptocurrency boom pays for but does it really i mean i'm much more willing to talk in behind 
you know, academics like James Mickens, who I think do some very good takedowns of the use cases around crypto and why they're not really useful for the real world in which we exist. Mm. I, I think right now it's, for me, it feels like a 50-50 between is this going to evolve into something that's useful or is it going to be an evolutionary dead end in tech? Um, I genuinely don't know. I think... I think I know a lot of people who will scream at me that there is value mm. in this, um, but they also coincide with owning a lot of crypto. Um, I personally do own some, you know, fair, happy to own up to it. It's a very small percentage of my overall worth just because I like to spread my bets. But, you know, I just, if it went away tomorrow, I think the world would probably be a better place. And that's not even without getting into things like the ecological impact of it. Yeah. Um, this kind of stuff, though, this amount of money floating around, this accessibility to small consumers and buyers. You know, Elizabeth Warren, she's very good. She has consumers' hearts, you know, uh, protection in, at her heart. I, I would like to see these guys talk in front of people like her, people like Katie Porter, and explain themselves because they are going to cut through a lot of the noise on this. Yeah. And um, the US is a big old market. And then on top of everything, it's very useful for paying ransoms. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, that's, um, I, I'm under no illusions about uh, how clean fiat currency is, but uh, crypto does not feel like the answer to me. No, absolutely not. But um, what has interest, or been on interest, is actually Kuli Vaz wrote a blog very recently about blockchain. Genuinely interesting blog. Really good. Yeah. And it talks about what blockchain technology is, how it works, why it's being used, Great the challenges primer. of it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, if you do want to learn a little bit more, I really would recommend that. Um, it's a good place for me to start. And I think uh, I said at the time uh, a useful counterbalance to my very cynical view on this topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, Right, moving on to number four, HashiCorp announces pricing of initial public offering. So leader in multi-cloud infrastructure automation software, and again, another partner of ECS, long-standing partner. Mm. HashiCorp announced the pricing of its initial public offering of 15,300,000 shares was class A common stock at a public offering price of $80 per share. Gross proceeds of the offerings are expected to reach $1.22 billion and began trading in on the NASDAQ yep. global select market just mm -hmm. yesterday uh, under the ticker symbol HCP. The offering is expected to close on December 13th, so in three days' time, uh, subject to the satisfaction of customary closing conditions. Mm -hmm. So um, I find it very difficult to not... To, to remain independent on this one. I think HashiCorp's a great suite of products. And when I saw this, I was really excited for them. Yep. And then I was kind of like, oh, what does it mean, actually? <laughs> um, you know, like, stop, think, all that good stuff. I, 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 I suspect it means good things in terms of their availability to finance, the product, the product suite being taken uh, more seriously. I suspect there's a lot of people I know and like in HashiCorp who will um, reap some benefit from this and well-deserve them. Mm. Um, you know, it's nice. You could see some prep for this, like as the CEO stepped down to do more engineering, you know, handing over to uh, a board that's probably a bit more versed in going through the stock market. Um, they've, they've still got some amazing products coming out. I yeah. mean, look at Boundary. <clears throat> 
I keep trying to work that into solutions because I'm just so excited about using it. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, very like cloud bees, really. Just um, it, like if you try to pitch this, like, oh, there's a controller for Kubernetes, and it's just a bunch of people going, right, but that's free, bro. <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, it's and it's more than just Terraform, right? Console, Vault, you know, Boundary, like I say, coming out, Nomad. There's some. Yeah, there's some great products in that suite. If you're just looking at Terraform, you're missing the overall picture. Yeah. When think... it comes to IAM and Zero Trust, compliance as code, they're the benchmark. And Boundary as well, isn't it? That's a new one coming yeah, through. The, yes, Boundary is the one I'm really excited by. Yeah. Keep trying to work it in. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get it in there in the end because, it, I, yeah, I think when it comes to IAM, that will be genuinely... Yeah, it'll be genuinely game-changing for some stuff. But, yeah, I think it's just great to see. Great to see these new names. And they could, yeah, they could potentially end up up there. Yeah. I just, again, it's, um, like, why now? I think it's a good question. Like, they've been running now since, what, 2012? Wow. So, yeah. Didn't know it went about that far. And, yeah. um, obviously, Mitchell um, Hashimoto, he stepped back. Funny enough, on the first episode... I did on this Friday Tech Roundup, so it must have been about two years ago, or 97 episodes back. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why I know that. It was just on my first one. You stepped back on a few minutes. I was chatting it through with uh, John Boero. He raised that topic. Oh, sorry, no, no, it wasn't. Recorded with it. No, you're absolutely right. He was like thinking there was another guy who stepped down, really long surname, and I had to learn it for it, and it was a Japanese surname. Was it not like, anyway, ignore what I just said. It might wasn't Mitchell. Mitchell took another role. He might have taken a step down away from CEO, maybe to chief product officer and then drop down. No, because he did. He was served until the CEO until 2016. I've definitely got this wrong, listeners. Please don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> don't say that at all. You're <laughs> seven episodes in. What you're oh, saying no, my is two years ago, who was the person? Um, but wait, what's, what's interesting, again, is that, you know, those creators and when um, you're yeah. forming a company like this, like, what is their vision? And Obviously, if you look at 2012, so coming up to the 20-year anniversary, mm. like, have they achieved everything they wanted to do before it goes to an IPO? Because obviously things change at that yeah. point. I mean, you look at um, something a bit closer to home, uh, David Calder, um, who founded Adama, um, our sister company as was, used to be ECS Security, then Adama. Yeah. Um, he did an amazing job growing that company and being the front man for it. And then took the brave decision to go, actually, I want to spend more time around the product yeah. and moved over to be chief product officer. You know, that is a well-worn path in places like Silicon Valley and stuff. Rarer in the UK where I think there's a bit more ego around that CEO role. Mm. Um, but, you know, often the right decision because at the end of the day, please don't tell our boss this, <laughs> CEO is just another job in the company. So yeah. if you've got the best person in that role, could you be doing another role better? Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of watching HashiCorp do this, I think that'll be an exciting one to happen in our staff. Absolutely. Mm. Number five, final piece of news this week. Uh, AWS reInvent took place last week with the global cloud provider announcing AWS mainframe modernization. Yeah, us old boys are becoming cool again. Is that what it is? <laughs> Mainframe. <laughs> um, a new service that makes it faster and easier for customers to migrate mainframe and legacy workloads work to the cloud and enjoy the superior agility, elasticity, and cost savings of AWS. 
Um, William Platt, General Manager of Migration Services at AWS, said that AWS's mainframe modernization provides automation in discovery, analysts, um, migration, and testing phases. It also gives a managed runtime environment to deploy their replatformed and refactored mainframe workloads, making modernizing, modernizing applications faster and easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you just joked about the old boys back in town, but they're actually technically moving the old boys off the old platforms to yeah, new platforms. The cloud, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's this whole, you know, those those mainframe workloads, some of them are, everyone gets a bit sneery around them. Mm-hmm. Um because they're like, oh, well, you know, they really hold back innovation. No, they don't. There's some really good code in that. And some really, I mean, you've never seen lean until you've seen guys coding COBOL because there's no room, <laughs> there's no room on the mainframe for the code, right? But I, you know, I've worked with systems like, um, used to be Altel, but now Fidelity because they bought them. But they've got mainframes that can process like, 56 million mortgages for the year end running 48 hours now that means nothing to anyone who doesn't isn't familiar with that area but believe me that's fast <laughs> i mean that is like i take quick. your word for it yeah, yeah yeah i mean um to put it in context you know smaller uk banks like carrying say 600,000 mortgages could do their year end running in 72 hours and wow. these guys could do like 56 million in 48 hours i mean they're made some mainframes are pretty tasty, the workloads are running. And, you know, part of it is around the technology in play, that it, it sort of requires these quarterly release cycles. But the other part is that it's the crown jewels. Yeah. So you don't mess about with it. So there is a, a lot of testing that goes into it. Um, and they make double, triple sure in the runoff to release that everything they're doing is not going to ruin the world. Mm. And then I used to share a floor with some of these chaps they have a team of ninjas who exist to forward fix in the event that something does go wrong because no one wants to end up in the tricky position that RBS almost found themselves in about 15 years ago where they almost weren't a bank because mm. they broke the mainframe. These workloads are absolutely critical to core banking all around the world. Core systems generally for you know some of the most mission critical things in the world. Um, so the idea that they're kind of bespoke tailoring migration solutions and runtime environments for them to take advantage of the benefits of the cloud is terribly exciting. Google have Thought Machine, that's their answer to it. There's some independent ones like 10X, uh, backed by a chap called Anthony Jenkins, who a long time ago I kind of used to work for because he was the CEO of Barclays. Um, But this is interesting watching AWS get into the game and do it well. The other interesting thing is, you know, you can think about big banks like Lloyd's and um, I, you know, peripherally works with their mainframe teams. Mm. They run Agile and have done for five years. You know, as a team, they work Agile. They create their code in Agile fashion. They plan their release in Agile fashion. They're actually going to be very well placed to take advantages of, uh, advantage of services like this. They are not a bunch of guys pottering around with pocket protectors and sandals saying everything must take two years to do. They are geared up and ready for this, and they're going to be very pleased that the technology is catching up with them. Um, So, yeah, it will be interesting to see what people do with this. Absolutely. And, again, um, just reverting back to that um, podcast that we did, I did with Neil... M-A-K-H, Mac, maybe, Neil, uh, Neil Mac and uh, Sunil Taylor. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about um, the fact that this year's AWS felt a little bit more incremental than perhaps 
like the jazz hands. Um, And I said, you know, asked to know like why he felt that was. And one of the things he said was that they're honing in on the technology that they have and they're trying to make sure that they are the most effective they can be. Mm -hmm. People know how to use them. People know how to maximize the value of them. Um, So they're investing a lot more into training. They're investing a lot more into making sure that those using the platforms and the tools, um, that they're doing exactly what they said they're going to do. So they're doubling down pretty much on their efforts to make sure the tools in existence are the best they can be. I also Um, think that, you know, reinvamp was a slightly smaller affair this year due to the pandemic. Yeah. So they probably didn't launch everything they could have launched because it wasn't quite the occasion with the number of influencers. I think it's a third of normal attendees. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they they probably kept their power dry a little on things. Plus, as well, if you look organisationally at AWS, um, they the number of people in AWS just grows and grows <laughs> and grows because at the end of the day, you do need people behind a technology giant of that size, whether yeah. it's people in ProServe, customer success managers, the guys with the beepers in the data centres <laughs> who were probably quite busy the other night, you know, you, you there, there is a point and a value in just taking a breath, embedding all that, you know, just having a consolidation phase. Yeah. And we're being AWS, I'll be surprised if it's longer than six months to a year. And I'll be genuinely impressed with what's coming out of AWS next year. But this was, uh, this, this felt exciting to me. But again, that may be more reflective of my heritage in the industry, but I was like, Finally, mainframe modernization. <laughs> woot, woot. Yeah. Um, that is it. That is all the news we have this week. Uh, a couple of shout outs. One we actually mentioned earlier, and it's obviously the podcast. Um, you're listening to it right now. Uh, there are other episodes in this. So one of them's coming out, um, which is Neil's, sorry, Niles podcast. Oh, yeah. We picked bad names for a series. There's a lot. Yeah. Niall, Niall Neil, McDonough. Yeah. yeah, the final uh, final one in the International Men's Day podcast series. Absolutely. And that's going to be out super soon. So keep your ears open for would have landed in November, but we had to re-record it. The sound quality was just so bad the first time. But we really wanted you to hear. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's why we yeah, said. Yeah, it was a real shame that the only person you couldn't really hear was the guest. Yeah. <laughs> Tricky. But God love him. He came back and re-recorded it. Such an honest man. He's just beautiful human. Yeah. Um, so we've got that one coming out soon, which, again, is, I can't wait to share with you guys. Um, the other one is we've got AWS reInvent. So this includes keynotes from this year's event. Um, also, how our two guests, so you've got Neil and Sunil, um, how they enjoyed Las Vegas throughout the last... So this is the tenth year that AWS have done reinvent. The first year, Sunil hasn't gone. The first year, uh, your first year, Sunil hasn't gone. Obviously, it's the first year back to Las Vegas after last year they put on pause. Mm. Um, so it's just really interesting, to kind of get their perspective on how things have changed or how exciting it was still was. And there's a thing about Oracle Cloud taxis in there, which is really funny. I'll tell you about <laughs> later. Um, so that's number one. And then the second shout out is uh, the Great Res- Resignation of 2021. So this has been a buzzword that's been kind of circulating for the last six months. Oh, the white paper you and Louise did. The white paper. Utterly amazing. It's Good pretty cool. Read. And again, like some people go, no, this is just the, the same numbers. It's just spiked a little bit here and there. But yeah, there is. Yeah, I read a- that economist article. I do yeah. not agree. No. And so what we're starting to see, I think, like um, well, the bigger pendulum swift shift, sorry, is towards the power sitting now in the hands of the employees. So whether you argue or not there's more people leaving, what we're starting to see, it's an employee's market out there. They're able to dictate a little bit more about like the benefits they get from their works. US jobs market report came out, I think, this morning, late last night. 
think unemployment levels are the lowest they've been since 1960-something. Okay. I mean, it's real. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I subscribe to The Economist, but God love them. They do have a tendency to kind of try and wish and manifest things into existence. It's a bit of clickbait um, as well. All yeah, their like, yeah. stuff on social media is just incredibly... Yeah, they got a aggressive bit headlines. Yeah, but um, um, but yeah, they. I think their argument that it's kind of overhyped and not real is certainly not my experience, and I don't think many people's experience. How can we go and ask the recruitment team? But I'm pretty sure they've been busy now. For... Well, just that though, I chat to the lady who runs the coffee shop I go to every day. Yeah, getting staff is killing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, and it's, we're still in. We're still in the pandemic, whether people want to believe that or not, we still very much are. Mm. And I feel there is that that tension, you know, people don't want to take on risk. Um, the hospitality industry, if you can choose a job that's not in hospitality, I think people are choosing to do that because it's not reliable enough in the pandemic. It's the first thing to close. Um, yeah, it's tough work. It's, it's, well. it's, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. Did, I, I did my fair share. I have to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, um, all of that all of that plus there's a skill shortage right um so what we've done uh, louise and myself sat down we wrote a paper called the um employee experience a business priority so it focuses on the great resignation as a kind of a, a context uh, side note but it's kind of building on the fact of why you now need to start looking if you haven't already been doing so why you should be looking at your employees what provisions you can put in place to make them feel valued it's not about snooker tables and beer fridges it's about valuing them giving them space to grow giving them space to fail and you know good management absolutely yeah um but the paper is a bit like a wikipedia article i did spend a lot of time reading the source articles yeah the number of references you've got in there and they are in their own right very interesting yeah so yeah it terrifically well-researched paper and it was genuinely very interesting it made my trip back from a series of workshops in St Albans genuinely interesting so I just read it all on the train it was good thanks very much I would like to um, completely give all credit to those uh, those links and sources to Louise she did a massive amount of research for this paper so hats off to her I'm sure you're both very good I'm just, I was the red pen person. I was the annoying one on this. You were uh, a copywriter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A copy editor, probably. Sorry, copy editor, yeah. Uh, that is it. That is all the news we have this week. Uh, I think we've only really got one more now until the big the big C. No, sorry, that's that's an incorrect Christmas, term. Yes. Christmas, yes. I think that's we all know what C. you meant. But sorry, yeah. 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 Very uh, insensitive, and I apologise. Oh, I meant big hey. Christmas. I think, I think it was a genuine trip at the time. Yes. Yeah. Everyone will forgive you for it. But yeah, one more before... Um, the end. The, the end and then, then it's 2022 so um yeah strap strap yourselves in there'll be one more to go and then <laughs> um, we'll see you in the new year yeah so exciting. Cheerio. Um, have a great weekend and just in case you forgot it's been ellie toby and andy turb with you today <laughs> <laughs> just in case that here we are fine now but take care take care guys bye Uh, okay, actually, what week is this? 10th, 9th, 8th, 7th, 6th? Yeah, and it's... Cool. Uh, is it? No, it can't... Yes, it is. That's it. December 6th, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat>